0: The Around the NFL podcast is trying to outlast Brady's career from the
1: Chris Wessling podcast studio. It's the Around the NFL podcast. Dan Hans is here, joined by Greg Rosenthal. It is the flagship program, Greg. Week three, Sunday, is in the books, and we are here to recap all of it. And it was a interesting Sunday here, Greg. I mean, it's interesting if your
2: voice makes it to the end here. You put some honey in. You're drinking some tea. I'm more concerned now than it was a minute ago after hearing it. But it does feel like the season kind of started today, just as like a bigger picture view. (laughs) You know, I do that sometimes right at the beginning. You like that? Okay. Steelers one and two. Chiefs one and two. Patriots one and two. Seahawks one and two. Like these are some you know. Bucks get a loss. Uh, These are some, you know, teams that have been regularly in the playoffs or big name teams under 500 now, some with concerning losses, some less so. And it's like, okay, now now we're starting to sink our teeth into things.
1: That was the point I was going to get into, but you're helping me with my voice. No, Mark (laughs) Sessler here, of course. Um, And if you saw on Twitter uh, this morning, Mark gave a little update on his situation. He's continuing to have some of those issues, uh, health issues that. It occurred last month, and they're back this month. So we're without Mark now for our second show, and hopefully we'll have him back in the not-too-distant future. Um, but time will tell, but Mark's doing okay. We're in contact with him. He's getting better. Now, am I getting better? I don't know. We're going to see. <laughs> got a lot of podcasting to do today and a lot of games to get to. And, yeah, you, you set it up well there because the fact that the Bucks got humbled, I think it was their first loss since, what, November? Sure, yeah. The Chiefs get beat again. I mean, those are the top two teams in football. Everybody kind of sees them that way, and it feels like maybe things aren't that way. Maybe like you're saying, there's a person. The personality of the season is starting to come into focus in week three, and uh, we're going to go through every single game, including yes, I know, I know our fans really do love the kicker club. I, I hear about it all the time in my mentions, and this was the most important night in the history of the kicker club in terms of just like well, the nights just start. Yeah. Just like the scope of the celebration (laughs) is at a level that it's almost impossible to kind of put it in perspective.
2: I mean, uh, as we're taping this, I feel like it's just going off. Tucker's in the corner and uh, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun.
1: It's like, I remember being at Ray Lewis's final game when the Ravens, uh, outlasted the 49ers in the Super Bowl and being in the locker room. And, you know, all the all the journo, journos, all the other teammates, everyone was crowded around this corner of the locker room for Ray Lewis. And he was just slowly unpeeling the tape off his arms and and taking off his like knee strap and and just quietly reflecting on a career. Um, well done. I think that's Tucker right now at the Kicker Club. I
2: mean, well, it's good. We can get some of our Tucker talk out now because I think we do have Kevin Patrick coming at you uh, with another gut punch of all <laughs> gut punch Lions losses later. So maybe we don't need to. Patrick's back his on grade. the
1: podcast, and it's uh, one of those sad Lions games that really the Lions. Uh, do worse slash better than anyone. But anyway, a lot of games to get to, and we're going to dig into it right now, starting, yes, uh, with the game that went on just across the sidewalk from us where the defending champs went
0: down. Stafford keeps his Rams out the line. Third down and 10. Well-protected. Steps up. Launches deep down the right numbers. All alone. Deshaun Jackson over the shoulder at the 30. He weaves his way to the end zone. Touchdown, L.A.
1: 75 yards Welcome home, Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> there he is, our buddy JB Long with the call. ESPN Radio. Long, long DJ, long Deshaun Jackson touchdowns. Enjoy them. Savor them. Treasure them e- even. We only get a couple every year, but they're always spectacular. Matt Stafford went off, throwing four touchdowns, including that rainbow to d as the Rams kind of had their way with the Bucks, 34-24 win over the champs. Greg, um, being the best team in football in late September doesn't really mean much in the big picture. But I think that might be where the Rams stand right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, they got you got to give them the respect on the power rankings later this week. We'll find out. But it makes sense. You beat the champs. You beat them convincingly. You do it in a game where I'm almost having a hard time like taking a big picture takeaway other than man, Jackson's got that, Deshaun Jackson's still got that juice, not just on that 75-yard touchdown, but on another throw up the sideline where he just goes zero to blinding in a couple seconds. So I don't know. He might have a few more of these types of days because Matthew Stafford is so well protected. That's, That's probably my biggest takeaway is that... The difference between Brady and Stafford today was there was nothing the Buccaneers defense could do to bother Matthew Stafford. It's not the running games. Neither team had a running game until the fourth quarter when the Rams were just trying to running out the clock. Here, Stafford on third and long. Just is like patting the ball, and Todd Bowles is trying to send blitzes. That doesn't work. He's trying to not send blitzes. That doesn't work either. You lose Jamel Dean in this game. That's two of their starters in the secondary at a position that at cornerback, where you felt like they were already thin, and it was just felt like guys are open, and Stafford uh, can find the guys that are open. He can deliver it to any part of the field. And at one point, they had, I think, six straight. Scoring possessions. It is the first time in Sean McVay's coaching career where that happened. And you did it against the Bucks.
1: It's, it's That's amazing. Pretty good. That is pretty good. I mean, it, this is exactly what, it was kind of advertised as going into the season that this would revitalize John McVay and his attack, and and revitalize Matthew Stafford and kick his career into this like next stage and maybe to a much higher plane. And yeah, doing it against the Bucks is really special. And you know, they actually mm-hmm. things started off okay. Um, Sta- Stafford started one for six. Um, And they were mostly
2: missed throws. That's sort of a reminder too, just how much open guys there were. It was about four missed throws
1: in that one for six. And then he went nuts. Yeah. And like you said, they score on the next six drives. And I think with the with the Bucks, yeah, you're a little concerned about the defense. Can they hold up in a big spot against a a true contender like the Rams? Not today. And then I think it's, it's time to get a little bit worried about their running game. And I know Ronald Jones is in the doghouse right now, but they had 35 yards total. Brady was the team's leading rusher. That's Tom <laughs> Brady, forty-four-year-old Tom Brady, fourteen yards. So Brady is continuing to be indestructible. He went forty-one to fifty-five, four thirty-two, and two touchdowns. Added a rushing score, but that's not really what you want to do. I don't care how good Brady is, you want to have some balance in there, and the, and the Bucks don't have
2: they it. They don't. They don't have it. They didn't have Antonio Brown. But it, to me, it's more. Brady trying to keep up with this defense. Once they got deeper into the game, you felt like when the Rams made a stop and you give Raheem Morris some credit, you give Aaron Donna, Leonard Floyd made a play. They always have like a role player make a play. Kenny Young made a couple of nice plays in this game. They've done enough defensively. Los Angeles has... Whereas Tampa, like, yes, it's going to be there with the greatest passing games in the league, and I'm not too worried about them in general, but they need a little more. The pass rush has quietly been mediocre all three weeks. So it wasn't just the fact that JPP wasn't there today. Today, they stepped up in class in terms of, uh, you know, the offense that they were facing. I know they had Dallas week one. They've had some tough matchups, but they just, they weren't sniffing Stafford. Pretty one-sided. And because Tom Brady got to 432, I I don't know what the number is, but it's well under 100 yards. Tom Brady will become the all-time leading passer, Erica, (laughs) next week, Sunday night, in Uh, Foxborough, unless he gets injured in the uh, first quarter. I can't think of, like, anything. (laughs) Like, it is just going to be such a –
3: just a flamethrower. Like, Gillette – Or where no, it's at. It's It's in July. Oh yeah, it's not going to be standing when it's done.
2: Well, Well, yeah, we'll get we'll get to the Pats, but this yeah, this was about the worst way that they could go into it because the Bucks will be they're they're a champion and they're going to be licking their wounds and ready to bounce
1: back. Angry Bucks team, Tom Brady, who's already known for having laser focus that no other athletes ever had in the NFL. Yeah, I don't like your team's chances next
2: week. Yeah, we, we don't need to get into that. It's got to it's get pumped up. <laughs> I like it. You keep trying more. to
1: push back that conversation until it's gone, but it's yeah. going to uh, pop up. It's a week from today. And by the way, good job by the wrestling brothers. Whoa. Locking up. Oh, that's nice. Locking up the Rams to beat the defending champs. Yeah, they were in their building, um, the Rams, but still to beat Tom Brady and the Bucks, who were 2-0 and had it lost in forever. That's a nice lock. La- last brothers. quick thing. Is that the Rams crowd is a
2: thing. It's good. It's almost like they were lucky. They would never, of course, say this and they would, and it's not really true, but it's almost perfect that they're entering the stadium with Stafford. You know, they've done a great job. The Rams really have to be given credit. You know, the personnel moves that they've made, they're all paying off uh right now on both sides of the ball, what they did this offseason. Uh, But also that they got this stadium built. They slowly built this fan base up even more than when they got here five years ago, six years ago with Jeff Fisher. And that place was rocking. It was a real home field advantage. And I think that's something we wondered about. Lakeisha Wesseling was in there having a great time saying uh, it was just going bananas. And they uh, they delivered her a great
1: night. That's the optimistic way to look at it. You could also say, oh, so they. Used for like three decades, Los Angeles as a pawn and leverage to get teams to build stadiums instead of giving Los Angeles professional football throughout the end of the nineties, 2000s. Oh yeah, there, 2000s. there's a lot of
2: missteps along the I mean, way. But I'm just saying for this current Royams organization, man, it just does feel like they timed this perfectly with the with the fans in the crowd. And I I was impressed. I was a little surprised uh, just how how loud it was in there.
1: And another big game for Cooper Cup. Um, that is a lethal connection stafford to cup let's uh, check in on the other super bowl 54 participant
0: takes the snap this is the game mahomes now retreating climbing the pocket lets it fly toward the left it is gonna reach the end zone and that is incomplete and the chargers win no flags the chargers come into arrowhead force four turnovers and get out with a 30-24 to 24
1: lead. <laughs> ah, Matt Money-Smith. 30-24 to 24 win it was. Because the Chargers defense stonewalled Patrick Mahomes in the final quarter. And Justin Herbert threw four touchdown passes, including the game winner. You heard there Mike, to Mike Williams. in a 30-24 win at Arrowhead. Herbert outplayed Mahomes in a game that felt like a statement of intent by the Chargers. Woo! And, Greg, we know that... Justin Herbert is a savage in the pocket, but according to his head coach, there's another way to describe him.
0: Clearly, we need to um, have it be even a bigger emphasis because we can't play like that. We're fortunate we have a you know a gangster quarterback, um, <laughs> but we got to coach better. A
1: gangster quarterback, and and Brandon Staley, who I thought really did a nice job in this game, and in general seems to have his, have his finger on the pulse of his offense and his quarterback more specifically that there were multiple points, including at the, you know, the most important, important juncture of the game where he could have been a little bit more conservative, but he said, no, I'm going to put my faith in Justin Herbert who he said for the second straight week was the best player on the field and Herbert did not let him down.
2: And he said, Mike Williams was the second best or that was close behind him. And Mike Williams, Goes 122 and two. He is embracing this new role. You love to see players put in a position to maximize their skills and just that. Like Mike Williams, the same player that he was the last four years, but now he's way more productive. And you have to look at coaching as as the number one reason. If you win the turnover battle, though, four to nothing, and the Chiefs have been pretty sloppy, including Mahomes. Uh, With the ball this year, like you better win. I mean, they won won turnovers four to nothing. That is how you you beat maybe a a more talented team. Uh, And wow, the Chiefs won and two. Are you worried at all?
1: A little bit. um, Not really. I mean, they killed themselves again in this game with turnovers. And it started with three trips into Chargers territory that all ended with turnovers. And and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who otherwise played a very good game, He put it on the ground. Uh, There was a Tyreek Hill fumble. There was an interception that went off um, hands that led to another turnover that that hurt them. And then what happens with the Chiefs is – When you make those mistakes as the Kansas City offense and when you have those turnovers as the opponent, you better take advantage of it. And I thought the Chargers did a great job. They were they did not get any points out of the first turnover, but then they turned the next two into touchdowns. Got that 14 nothing lead, which is what they needed to get comfortable, get into the groove. And when the Chiefs Mm. inevitably went on their run, when they took over late in the second quarter, got a field goal. And then started second half, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown to seemingly take control of the game. They had built up enough of a lead, the Chargers early, that they could weather that storm. And then they outplayed Kansas City the rest of the way. So I thought that was very, very important to take advantage of KC mistakes, which have been more uh, plentiful than I expected on offense. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah, I I do think. You know, they don't have a ton of dimensions to their offense beyond Kelsey and Hill. We'll see if like the weight of carrying the entire franchise starts to wear on Kelsey Hill and Mahomes or if the rest of the guys get better. But it's it's very uncharacteristic of the Chiefs to, you know, get outscored 10 nothing in the last 3 minutes of the game. That that's the yeah. opposite of what they did last year, but it's a reminder they they made it to the Super Bowl last year by winning close games over and over and over. They have not been a truly dominant team since, you know, earlier of the 2020 season.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's certainly fair to say. And Andy Reid, another subplot after this, after this game, we learned that Andy Reid was taken to the hospital after the game. And I'm looking at the ESPN reporting where we are now, Um, but he left the stadium in an ambulance following the game, a uh, source close to Reed told ESPN's Jeff Darlington that the coach was in good spirits when he departed for precautionary observation after he felt ill. So you have mm. obviously you have this situation going on now. Reed is 63 years old and it's something to keep an eye on. And hopefully everything is okay sick of hospitals.
2: We're, I don't want anyone don't going need- to hospitals. I don't want anyone doing anything. Come on, Andy Reid. We need
1: you. We need you, Andy Reid. Uh, but yeah, that that's kind of where I come down on the Chiefs because the same thing happened last week in Baltimore uh, against Baltimore where they're winning that game if they just don't shoot themselves in the foot. They did it repeatedly in this game. But even though that happened early in this game, I thought it was very interesting and very telling in a positive way for the Chargers that they basically got this mm. game back to even and then outplayed uh the chiefs and justin herbert outplayed mahomes who threw the, the big interception that led to the game winning points. so whoa good job chargers after they charged it up last week in dallas to get this w that's a big one let's move on
0: josh in shotgun takes the snap looks to his left
1: looks nobody comes open josh rolls to his right takes a look gonna keep it he's gonna run it in touchdown buffalo josh allen Josh Allen from two yards out. Touchdown, Buffalo. John Murphy with the call. WGR. Turns out Josh Allen is still good. (laughs) The Bills quarterback threw four touchdown passes, ran for another. Bills embarrassed their opponent for the second straight week. This time it was the Washington football team. No chance. 43-21 blowout at Orchard Park. Greg, Buffalo has a cooking on both sides of the football now.
2: I was so impressed by this Bills team again. The defense swarms to the ball. It was somehow a misleading 43 to 21. It didn't feel that close because if you break down the three Washington touchdowns, one comes on a screen play, you know, unbelievable play by. Antonio Gibson. He wanted that end zone, was one of the best plays of the game, but it was called at a perfect time, great individual effort. Uh, Another touchdown on a extremely short field on what amounted to was an onside kick and then one deep into garbage time. Josh Allen set the tone on a third and I think it was a 15 on the first drive. Beautiful throw on the outside to Sanders and then an even better throw out, you know, escaping the pocket for 41-yard touchdown to Sanders on that drive, and from then on, it was just like Josh Allen firing bullets, missed digs like a couple times streaking down the field, but otherwise, Sanders has added so much they had no problem whatsoever. At one point in this game, they were almost tripling up Washington in mm. terms of yardage, and they are now the NFL leaders in score differential along with the the Broncos, and I just think of this defense, and granted they've played three shaky offenses, but if this defense can play close to this well all year. To me, they are the most complete AFC team. There's a lot of good AFC teams, but I think on paper, they're the one team that has the chance to have a truly great offense and a truly great defense.
1: Yeah. And especially seeing the bills really come to life on defense last week with the offense starting to fire up. And then this week, and I didn't get a chance to see this game, but hearing the way you're explaining it, it's, this sounds like last year's, attack, maybe with less Stefan Diggs still than we were expecting. He still goes
2: six for 62, had like 10 targets. He just missed them a couple of times. That was on Allen. but.
1: But on the same day that the Chiefs, again, look mortal for the second straight week. If you're a Bills fan, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, this really is set up well for us to potentially make that push to get to the top of this conference. And that has to be extremely, extremely exciting. Yeah, what I want- did you see from Taylor Heineke by the way in this game? Because I really I liked how he played against the Giants on Thursday night. He had the moxie, made some big plays. <laughs> Doesn't sound like much. Wh- same well same
2: stuff. I mean, if I think if you look at Week One two, he did make a couple plays. I mean, his touchdown run uh, was unbelievable. How he like you know sought out the the pylon. Like he's gonna make plays. I don't think he played that poorly. They picked him off a couple times. One one was a little lucky, but it. it there's not much sustaining element in this. I don't think this is a team that's like going to go up and down the field on mm. other good teams. They didn't protect that well. And yeah, your boys young and sweaty. They were definitely quiet today. What is they going on chased, with this defense? I don't know. It's been one of the worst defenses in the league. Cause I, I really, when you look at that first chargers game, they, they got a couple turnovers, but they couldn't get a stop. This team has barely forced a punt all season in three games. That, that's a trend. They're in
1: trouble. Mm. They're, right. they're lucky to not be 0 and 3. So Buffalo has, I don't know how the Steelers beat the Bills in week one after what we've seen since, but they have that one loss and now they are back in a groove and we'll see you, the Washington football team and the, a lot of these in there, the New York giants is we'll get to a little bit, but there's some issues in the NFC East right now as there was last year. Let's keep on moving uh, to Greg, your favorite place in the world, Foxborough.
2: I mean, it's it's not my favorite place. <laughs> I've only been there like twice.
1: Third Narnia
2: third, three times. Stathetic. Taysom will remain a quarterback, and
1: Jameis is wide out to the left. Power run right side. Taysom Hill will walk into the end zone, and what a play, and what a drive by Taysom Hill. Hey, Taysom alert. The Saints backup QB, Gadget Boy. Rushed for his first score of the season, helping the Saints shake off their grizzly Week 2 loss to the Panthers in a 28-13 win over the Pats, yes, in Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. The big ball. Greg, the New Orleans defense brought the goods in this one. Uh intercepting rookie QB Mac Jones three times. The Pats have some issues.
2: They have issues and they play consistently the most boring game, like on every Sunday slate. That's a problem too. Like I'm glad we're taping this at night. Like, so I have sort of had the stench of this game off of me because it was just <laughs> it's just a slog. It's similar to your, the Jets-Pats game yesterday, where if you, if, you know, if you if you take the three turnovers away, it's like neither passing game could get going. They both didn't look great, but the Saints kind of do what the Patriots want to do, but I think they do it better right now. And what I mean by that is. Offensive line, getting it done. They lose Teron Armstead. They're all pro at left tackle early in this game. Doesn't matter. They protected Winston well. Alvin Kamara uh, had a very hard earned, uh, I think, what was it? 128 yards from scrimmage, something like that. 118 yards from scrimmage. But you know, yards that I don't think other running backs were going to get. On defense, they try to mix it up a lot. Dennis Allen's, I think, very creative, has guys up front, and they got after Mac Jones. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and I think that's what the Patriots were hoping to do coming into this season, but they can't do it. They're not running the ball well. Their offensive line's not playing well, and the defense is, eh. I mean, they they look okay if you look at the stat sheets, the, the Patriots' defense, but to me, they're just, they're just like, eh. They can't make up for a pretty boring offense.
1: And... You, yeah, we saw this last week against the Jets. The Pats did very little on offense. And in this game, there was some Sean Payton history, Greg. 252 total yards for the Saints, the fewest in a road win in the Payton era for New Orleans. So the Pats defense did enough. See, that that's true. And it's the third straight week that
2: the Saints have had. 150 yards or less passing, which is like, whoa, <laughs> wow, that is tough. They had only had 110 yards net today, and Jameis Winston had two touchdown throws, one of which was a play he tried to throw out of the end zone, and he was hit, and it turned into oh a Jameis God. Winston pop up. But Marcus Callaway comes down with the ball. It was that kind of day, uh, you know. For for the Saints, they got a couple breaks, uh, but you can't. I don't think you can keep winning that way. Yet when it really came down to it, and it reminded me a lot of Week One, Dan was. The Patriots defense got on the field at the end of the game with a chance to get the ball back, one possession, and give it to their offense. And what do they do? That's the moment that the Saints march down for a 13-play, 75-yard 75 yard touchdown drive, you know, capped by that Taysom play It included a third and seven early in the drive where Jameis was protected perfectly. So when it really came down to it, the Patriots defense like didn't make a game changing type of play. They couldn't get a stop.
1: All right. And I guess that's fair. I mean, they just need more balance and the offense is just not there yet. And I guess we haven't had any interceptions by Mac Jones before this game. He was very clean, notoriously, um, notoriously clean. He was in the preseason <laughs> slate when we were just going nuts about that. Um, uh, were, did, were you con, concerned at all by his play in this game or is he just put in tough situations leading? No, to No, I
2: thought he played better than the jets game. He didn't get much help, but the the thing I'm concerned about is they tried to go deep. You know how all week everyone's like, Oh, they're not going to go deep. two of the first three plays of the game. Deep, deep. He must've sh- thrown a lot of shots downfield in this game. I don't know what the number is, but it wouldn't surprise me if seven, eight, nine, and he couldn't hit any of them. So that that's a little bit of a concern. The three interceptions: one came on a ball where he's standing in the pocket a little too tall, kind of like Cam Newton gets hit while he throws. One was the last play of the game, uh, and another was just on a drop by Jonu Smith. So only one of those was really on Mac Jones. But I'm going to put a lot on Jonu Smith. I mean, this is one of the worst games you've ever seen. Four drops. Oh, no. Four drops. Uh, One killed the drive. One turned into a uh a, almost a pick six. And uh, Nelson Aguilar and Johnny Smith combined for 14 targets and 21 yards. So all these offseason additions that they did on offense, Hunter Henry hasn't done much like it. It's, that part's not
1: working right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a reminder. It's still early. But how much was made of all the money they gave those two tight ends and what have they given them through three weeks? Uh, the They'll pa- get
2: better. I do think they're a team that will improve as the season gets along. But I think they lost James White um, to a hip injury, which would, could be a, a long-term injury by the sounds.
1: Carded of and immediately ruled out. Never a good sign. the P- The Patriots lost each of their first two home games for the first time since 2000, Belichick's first season, <laughs> five and eleven. And I will just say this: and now Brady, I have, I have, yeah, and now Tom Brady enters uh, for his first game. It's uh, it's almost. Uh, What is the word I'm looking for? It's almost too uh, symbolic or too perfect that the last time they were in a funk like this in their building was right before he came. And now they're back in this place as he returns. Oh, Greg, if my team wasn't so miserable, I'd be really enjoying yeah, this. I know. Uh, <laughs> they are very
2: much another team. It remind, you know, and maybe the last time they were like this was uh, on to since the on to Cincinnati week where they were one right. and two and everyone got crazy and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the difference is they don't have Tom Brady on their team anymore. You know, when they're playing in Foxborough, he's going to be on the other team. So you don't get the feel that they could bounce back like that. I do think they can bounce back somewhat.
1: Two things, the AFC East, which we were honking a lot about entering the season, is not looking so hot right now outside of Buffalo, and uh, two, the first-round quarterbacks are really struggling um, pretty much across the board, unless I'm missing someone, but Mac Jones uh, had a tough time of it. Zach Wilson is really struggling. Trevor Lawrence is you know, making big mistakes week after week after week. Justin Fields, we will get to that. Um, This is what I get for,
2: like, investing in the preseason. I had this whole, like, idea in my heart, like, I don't know, Wes is gone. I'm going to, like, really try to, like, love football and, like, really, really focus. Have, like, a good season personally. And I'm going to (laughs) really, like, I'm going to, like, watch all these preseason games. I'm going to take all these notes. Like, none of that shit man anything <laughs> no seriously from the preseason i can i i have thought about this a lot the last couple weeks like almost everything i said about anything that happened in the preseason has almost gone the opposite way of what the regulars it's almost like it's you, just stupid you
1: doing your job in a hyper professional way actually hurt that's you. what i'm saying next year
2: remind remind us all just let's not put it much on any of that.
1: um all right we'll recap the vikings big performance against the seahawks with nick shook right after this
0: Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Seattle blitzes again. Kirk steps up, whips it to the end zone. Touchdown! Vikings! Adam Thielen, with his fourth touchdown this season, has cut the lead to 17 13. Cousins Thielen, boom.
1: The Vikings needed a big week. Vikings fans needed a big week. Paul Allen, let's be honest. He needed a big week. (laughs) KFAN. They all got it. Kirk Cousins threw three touchdown passes before halftime, including that hookup with Adam Thielen, and then did great clock management on field goal drives in the second half to help close out a 30-17 win over the Seahawks, the first win of the season for the Vikings, their first win over the Seahawks in 12 years. Yes, Nick Shook. Now joins us. And Shook, always be wary of the wounded animal team. (laughs) But winning without Dalvin Cook made this even more impressive.
3: Yeah, let's give a tip of the hat to Alexander Madison. Why don't we? You know, I mean, sure. Who needs Dalvin Cook? I'm I'm just kidding. We definitely need you definitely need Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. But I mean, 26 carries for 112 yards, it's a pretty solid day. And what was most important about that? in my opinion, was it gave them the balance they needed to effectively execute their offense because the number one threat for that offense when Cook is out there is Cook. And if you don't have him, well, let's focus on stopping the pass. Psych, you got Madison instead. <laughs> Her cousin throws for 323. And- psych back? I like yeah, that. It's yeah, been, why not? It's been why a not? solid you know, 20
2: years. It's, it's it was, time. It it's over. It cool did. when I was a kid, like,
3: well, a little kid. So,
1: yeah, it works out. Schuch but... Wh- <laughs> what, what's going on, Shook, with Kirk Cousins? Because I know he's everybody's favorite punching bag. And here we are week after week now on these Sundays. You look up and he's playing mistake-free ball. He's airing it out. He's throwing a bunch of touchdown passes. Now they get a win out of it. But this team could easily be 3-0. and And if they were, it would be a huge story because Cousins has been playing some of the best ball of his career.
3: I know. He's been playing like they are 3-0. I mean, statistically, um, you know, he leads the league in, in – in- like, for example, passes of 10-plus air yards. Nobody's got a better wow. passer rating in that instance than Kirk Cousins. Think about that. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's playing great football. It's just a matter of they lost a close one in overtime to the Bengals because of a uh, fumble that you know could have or didn't end up going their way but could have potentially gone their way at the end of the Bengals game. Then they lose because Greg Joseph can't make a game-winning field goal. I mean, this team, I, I was thinking about it today before they won. This might be one of the best 0-2 teams Granted, <laughs> you know, I know where you're that going. I've ever seen. Sure. Right. And, and it's because of Kirk Cousins.
2: Yeah, I think he's played great. I think KJ Osborne, I know he only had two catches today, but they were big catches. He's been a like a third down, third down conversion machine. He's given them a little something that you didn't expect. Conklin goes seven for 70 as yeah. their tight end today with with a touchdown. And then I, I what I want to ask you, because you watch this closely, was. Man, like Gary Kubiak, he's now in year two only of being the, the solo coordinator there. And I thought that running game last week like, was like vintage Kubiak type of running, and they dominated that game against Arizona. Did you see the same thing in Seattle, who's supposed to have a pretty good you know, front uh, in terms of stopping the run?
3: Yeah. You know, they, they ran it kind of at will almost. I mean, mm. it, it, if you had changed Jersey numbers and told me that, you know, Madison was wearing 33 and it, but you told me that was Dalvin cook, I would have believed you on some plays. I mean, he had three carries of 10 or more yards. Uh, I mean, so they were ripping off some runs in between there and he did his job definitely. And, and you're right. It was like a vintage zone scheme where they pound it and then they catch They're you on good the offensive action, team. Type of thing. Yeah, they are. And they were today.
1: On the Seahawks side of things, how concerned are you now? They've, they, You know, they got the Colts in week one and we knew that was a Colts team that had all sorts of issues, Uh, but they got the road victory. But now back to back weeks, they've given up 30 points uh, and it's just that's not going to be good enough, especially the type of ball they like to play on offense. Uh, What are you seeing with their defense? What's not working?
3: Uh, I mean, uh, today it was all about the short game. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't have a single pass, uh, a single deep pass attempt in the entire game, like according to next gen stats, not one and ended up hmm. throwing for 323 yards without doing that. So they have to be better underneath. I don't know if the way they play Jamal Adams necessarily helps them. They love to bring him up on the line and send pressure and everything else. I'm all I'm all in favor of having a box safety, but I'm not necessarily all about bringing my safety up the line as frequently as they do because it does leave you a little susceptible to rely on other guys to then get that underneath stuff, take care of. But my biggest concern with them isn't even defensively. It's the fact that they can't score any points in the second half. They scored mm. uh, six points in the second half last week and ended up losing that game to Tennessee. They score zero points in the second half this week and ended up losing this game by 13. It's, it's, an, it's a matter of our other teams making good halftime adjustments against them, and they're just not responding? Or just, is, uh, can they just not figure out who they want to be? It reminds me of that offensive struggle period that they went through down the stretch mm-hmm. last year where they couldn't figure out who they wanted to be. That's what they look like in the second half of these last two but games.
2: But in defense of like Russell Wilson and you know Shane Waldron, they really only had three drives in the second half. Now you went punt, yeah. punt, and downs, but their defense not getting off the field back-to-back weeks and giving up these long drives and kind of being run over. At one point in this game, the, the Vikings' drives were... 9 for 90 in a touchdown, 12 for 66 in a touchdown, 16 for 50. That is some old school stuff. 11 for 70 and then 12 for 88. So that's like five straight drives where you, you're a Seahawks defense. You just can't get on the, off the field. And I'm sick of banging this same drum. But they've been a mediocre defense for about five, six years now. And it feels like it's getting a little worse,
1: not, not getting better. And the, the yeah. Adams point you made, Chuck, is really interesting because we know what he's about. We know he's not a coverage guy. That's He has two interceptions his entire career, but you just gave him all the money in the world. So it's like you have to use him to what he does best. But if that's not exactly helping your defense, you're kind of caught in between. That's an interesting point you made.
3: Well, yeah, and they redirected a lot of their money to paying him, and they haven't really spent a lot of money in other areas, and I think it's starting to show as a you know as That's a group uh, in whole. I mean, they, nine for fourteen on on third down, Minnesota West today. That's not acceptable for you to try to be able to to come back. I mean, they, you went to halftime with a seventeen to seven lead, couldn't put any points on the board, couldn't really get the ball. You know, Greg, you talked about that. I think three of those possessions they had, two or three of them, five plays in total. I mean. They, they, you're right. They're not giving their Woo! offense any chances. And when they did have the ball, they weren't doing much either. They got the
2: 49ers and the Rams next. Seahawks Twitter is going to be on fire this week. Oh, yeah.
1: Week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we might have to get our friend on from the Athletic again to check in on the Seahawks world because it seems like a uh, chaotic place. All right, let's head on uh, now, Shook, to a, a AFC South showdown.
0: Tannehill looking, firing complete to McNichols at the five. Did he get in? Yes, he did.
1: Jeremy McNichols! Touchdown! Titans! <laughs> I mean, how come my voice is going and Mike Keith can do that? He's fine. <laughs> WGFX. Ryan Tannehill threw for 197 yards and three touchdowns, including that hookup with McNichols, leading the Titans to a 25-16 win over the freefall Colts. And Nashville shook. Um tell us how the Titans smiled as they put a nail into the coffin of the Colts season. Ooh. Maybe wow. not the final nail. the season, wow. the season. I didn't say, oh the, final I mean, I didn't say the final nail. I mean, I didn't say the final nail. I said it's close. a nail in the coffin. You need like ten R.I.P. nails. There's about six
3: or seven in there now. Do they R.I.P. still R.I.P. put Are nails in
2: coffins anymore?
3: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I feel like the dirt <laughs> would take care of it. But well, the, na- the nail in this game was a missed Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. I mean, they were they were. It was kind of like a, it was. It wasn't quite a sad field goal, but. They still need to get the ball back again to be able to, to have a chance to go ahead. And and then he just misses it. And it was like, well, that's that like time to get out of here because they can't even make the field goal when they're down by nine points. But um, I mean, if you want to look at uh, somebody who symbolizes a nail in their cough or yeah, a nail in their cough at this point in the season, it's Carson Wentz. The guy cannot move. Mm. He's playing with massively taped ankles. Not the Ben Roethlisberger oversized shoe, but it looks kind of similar. And he just simply could not move to the point where it was obvious that he knew he couldn't move. There were a few times where he could have evaded pressure if he were healthy. And instead, he just throws the ball directly into the ground. Uh, And then at one point, he tried to scramble for a a conversion on third down. And he thought about scrambling, got about two steps up in the pocket and then realized, oh, wait, I can't run right now. And out of the corner of his eye, I saw Naheem Hines over in the flat, tried to backhand pitch the ball to him and didn't even come close. And it was just like, this is what they're working with right now.
1: This just feels like roster mismanagement from the Colts, because as banged up as Wentz is, you would think there's got to be someone that gives them a better chance to win. But it, it doesn't seem like their quarterback room is built that way between Brett Hundley and Jacob Eason. So it's, it's send Wentz out there, and he's just lucky he didn't get out of this game with another injury. We don't even know yeah, if that's league- true.
3: They're leaving him to be feasted upon. I mean, Tennessee pinned their ears back. Harold Landry had a career high 12 quarterback pressures today. Um, I mean, it was it was, you know, he still threw for 194 yards, but it was all in the short game. And the thing that I really hold against the Colts more than anything, and partially, you know, this isn't entirely their fault, but they showed that they can move the ball with a quick game, whether it's just dumping it off, running screens, that type of thing. They just didn't stick with it and, and tried to push the ball down the field late. And that was before they were even down by nine points. And, you know, when you have a guy who can't move, who's clearly not super confident on the messed up ankles that he's playing on. Uh, the last thing you want to do is give the defense more time to get after him and not get the ball out quicker. So um, I thought schematically they kind of failed in the second half because, I mean, it was a close game until the fourth quarter, and that's really when it fell apart. I thought
2: they might uh, take it easy on Henry just at least a little bit uh, after 41 touches last week, but he goes for 31. He really does break every rule there is about running backs. It, it's just kind of amazing, and Tennessee has to be loving life right now. I know this was a home game, and so you – know, you, you want to like kind of knock that one out and beat the Colts, but man, just looking at that division, they f- they should feel pretty good at two and one. It might not take that many wins to win this division.
3: And yeah, by- especially with the way that the Colts have started this season, the way they look so far. Even in the close games, they haven't been able to pull it out. So yeah, I totally agree. And you would think that, you know, I said it's the sixth or
1: seventh nail that they got to put in the coffin. Sixth or seventh, they've only played three games. Uh, well, That's two nails per well, game. Some of them were two nail games, and now I look at their schedule at Miami at Ravens, home Texans at Niners. So they're on the road for three of the next four weeks. They're still all sorts of messed up on offense and, and banged out banged up. And that's why that's why Greg, you and I both locked up the Titans here. So big W for both of us. <laughs> How about that? Dan's having fun because I, for some reason, switched switched the lock right at the
2: last minute to a loss. Because uh, you know, because you really got to be worried when when you can get Carson Wentz, but like make him not mobile. That's what you really got to be worried about and uh, change change your pick. You is know, this like the, this in is a the mobile... third straight
1: week, right? That yeah. you've you've switched out I'm of a
2: three, winner to a loser. I'm three zero awesome. awesome. on uh, switching out of winners to losers, so uh, I deserve it. It's all you know. You all you wanted it all to happen in the same season. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs>
4: Well, you
1: got to save that for, for the next, the we, next uh, one. We get to use it twice. We get to use it twice. Because this is almost like, yeah, this is, we're talking about nails in your coffee. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 oh, it, it's nails. It's two nail it, games. The, the nails are, are in my back. Uh, shook one more game, and it was a great one in Vegas.
0: Good snap, good hold. Jackpot, baby. The Raiders become the first team in history of the NFL to win their first three games against teams that all won at (laughs) least 10 games the previous season. Whoa,
1: that calls for bongos. When the uh, springs come in there, it's just a banger. Yes, the Raiders did it again. They're three and zero. They very nearly let this one slip away. Jake Brisket, with a gutsy scramble with seconds to play, and then converts the two-point conversion to Will Fuller to force overtime. They trade field goals, but shook Derek Carr as he's been doing all season just making money throws in the biggest moments. And that gorgeous uh, shot to Edwards that set up the game winner was one of the best throws of the year.
3: Yeah. I mean, Derek Carr is on fire. There was only one mistake he made this entire afternoon, which is an ill-advised throw into the hands of Elandon Roberts, who took it back for a pick six. Other than that, he was, you know, pretty precise for most of the game. And, and the the thing you really have to like about his development, I think from last year to this year is, taking what the defense is giving him, picking apart defenses, and spreading the ball around the field as a result. I know they spent a first-round pick on Henry Ruggs, and he is getting more involved. You know, he had that touchdown pass or reception last week, and he did have uh, four catches for 78 yards today. But he's not just relying on him or just relying on Darren Waller. He's throwing to everybody. He threw a touchdown pass to Alec Ingold today, Mm. who that was his reward for saving them from fumbling away a a red zone opportunity on the previous play. I'm convinced. You know, they were just like, hey, dial it up for Ingold." He just (laughs) bailed us out. Dump it off, uh, to a touchdown.
2: This was the best game of the day, I think. This was a great football game. These these teams only play classics. I can only think of three. This one, Uh, the Sea of Hands game. (laughs) Remember the Sea of Hands game? We weren't born yet, but it's a classic. And then the Fitzpatrick uh, game, of course, at the end of last year that ended uh, the Raiders' season. I mean, Jake Brisket... You know, through 49 times for 250 yards. Like some of these. Four
1: and a half yards and
2: a 10. Great, Some almost. of these reception numbers, like Waddle <laughs> caught 12 Ooh, for 58. It have a piece of that Jake Brisk. It's a little wild, but when Puss came to shove, he had a fourth and nine where he had to fit it into a mail slot. Got it. Fourth and 20 with the game on the line in overtime on the run. Got it. So he added a lot of value,
1: a lot of fun. I don't, well, know, if, I don't know if Tua put you know, up 28 points. You know who would love to have Jake Brisket right now? The team that originally had him, the Colts. How about the Patriots? No, I don't know. Mac Jones is good. <laughs> <just saying. laughs> no, all his kidding. feelings on the I'm path? Kidding. I'm kidding but, about that. I but thought- seriously, like this is the Dolphins. You could get on if you're a Dolphins fan, even though they fought back here and this was a, a nice comeback, you're one and two and you're disappointed with the start of the season. The one thing that they've been smart enough to do and other teams year after year aren't, is we need to get a dependable backup in the building. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the last couple of years, Jake Brisket. Now these guys are not stars, but they are hold the fort guys that can save your butt if your starter goes down. And that's what nearly happened today.
3: Yeah, and you know, you have to be encouraged by that because I mean, they got their doors blown off last week and yet they come back and play against a team that's on fire. I mean, I know it's only three games, but the Raiders are playing good football. Um, even their defense has really come around. We all we are, already know about the the front four and what they've been able to do in getting after the quarterback. So statistically, if you looked at it on paper going into this game, you're thinking, man, this is a terrible situation for Brissette to walk into. And yet. Jake Brisket, avoiding pressure, stepping <laughs> up go. in the pocket, extending plays, scrambling and putting his body on the line with two seconds left in the game, and then converting the two-point conversion, like you said. I mean, it was gutsy. Oh, they were handed was, a lot heroic. of points.
2: It was like a short field. It was it was a pick six. And then, you know, Brisket also made the, re- the history books. Uh, by being the first quarterback to complete a pass for a safety. So that was pretty incredible. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't blame him for started,
1: that. that. Yeah, that was a bad, bad situation by everyone. I mean This offense yeah. is just good. I mean, Peyton Barber goes for 111 yards on 4.8 yards per carry. No Josh Jacobs again here. Kenyon Drake also in the mix, obviously there. But the, the pass catchers with car playing at this level, Brian Edwards is a player. Henry Ruggs, a couple more great catches today. He really is blossoming. Hunter Renfro, third in Renfro. Darren Waller, of course, has been maybe a little quiet after the last uh, after the week one explosion, but that's a, that's a great four-pack. Mm, I Absolutely. mean, Ruggs had
2: a play early where he looked like the error that you sometimes got in Tecmo Bowl, where the guy just flies off the top of the screen. There was like a <laughs> special way you could get that to happen. And that was like Ruggs. My God, they should just... Throw like alley oops to rugs because just because it was fun to watch, he has to have one of the highest vertical verticals in the league. And then Renfro had one play where he did like a quadruple move and literally spun around Xavier Howard and all pro like a top.
3: These Raiders are they're balling, balling. Yeah, Renfro had a, a great catch. You know, we talk about third and Renfro, it was second and Renfro at least once today, uh, a fantastic catch in the sideline. I it basically put me in this moment where I was like who is his comparison? Like, cause he's short, you know, he's the the, the gritty receiver, whatever you want to call him. And I, I want to say he's like maybe a Welker, but he's not that type of athlete necessarily, but he is a guy that you can depend on to make those catches over and over again. And it's fun to see hmm. how Carr involves him, but really involves everybody. They're just a really fun offense to watch overall. I, I they're, they're now a team that I look forward to watching on a week to week basis.
1: you're live via satellite from Cleveland in your home office. and, I'm looking right now behind you over your left shoulder. It's the NFL helmet with the big shield logo that you only get at the NFL if you leave the company. And then they put the helmet on the table in the newsroom. and They say, hey, everybody, sign it. Uh, Wish Nick well. Of course, Shooky went to the Browns and then came back. So Shook managed, Greg, to really pull something off here. He got the helmet where everyone said, you know, you're an amazing guy. Best of luck to you. Right. Kept the helmet, has it on display left the company and then came back. It's it's having your cake and eating it too.
2: Right, it's like he's like double dipping somehow. <laughs> he's probably still getting paid by the Browns like all the other ex uh, coaches think,
3: they have. Made some hush money us. there with the Browns. Right. We know that was a mysterious exit. You know, hush you money. know if I if I hung around there long enough my first stint there I'd have two of those helmets at this point.
2: I mean you're living the dream. Like you left but you're still on this podcast. So it's perfect. Like you got you got you got your cake and you're eating it too. You know it worked out. You don't have to come up to the studio. You're just at home.
1: And, and Greg, you don't, I don't even need to ask. We know there was no goodbye from the Browns helmet. Just put it that way. Yeah. yeah. No, there
3: was, there was, uh, we'll it was, we'll see in a like week. It's like one day you showed up box. that just the key card didn't work. Um, Pretty much. We'll see you in a week when you're covering us for somebody else. <laughs> By the way, one more
1: game with Shook. I misspoke, and that's a great thing because I can't speak. Head to Pittsburgh.
4: Joe in the gun, catches the snap, fakes to P. Ryan, throws it high and deep down
1: the left sideline, Chase has it in the end zone, touchdown,
0: Bengals, what a (laughs) throw by Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, who extended his arms and reeled it in for the 34-yard score. It's like,
1: Greg, he's like, I gotta get out of that lock i got to get over to the Ben Roethlisberger Steelers in 2021. <laughs> I know, I had a good day with picks, too. I don't what even know doing? what happened. Dan Hard and Dave Lapham, WCKY, Joe Burrow, threw for buck seventy-eight, but with three touchdowns, including two more strikes to Jamar Chase. Hey, that's working out. Speaking of stupid summer storylines, yeah. Jamar Chase can catch, and he catches a lot of balls in the end zone. The Bengals are now 2-1 after a 24-10 win over the Steelers. Shook, we knew... Pittsburgh was up against it potentially without TJ Watt, their most important player. How big a difference did it make in this game?
3: Massive. They recorded one pressure the entire game. Their lowest pressure percentage, Ooh. and pressure output in the next gen stats era no for the bueno. Steelers. I mean, they, they Joe Burrow had all time to all day to throw. Uh, there was one play in which he actually was hit, and it was a uh, very questionable roughing the passer call, which actually set up the first touchdown pass to Jamar Chase just before halftime. Basically it was a matter of Burrow could pick apart the defense to a degree uh, and kind of just work with whatever he had. And the Steelers, knowing that the Steelers couldn't move the ball quickly at all, that they could just kind of take their time. But I mean, the, the second touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, he again had, all day to throw, was able to roll out right, wait for Jamar Chase to break off his route, come back over into the middle, wide open portion of the end zone, just throw it to him. I mean, it made it look easy. It was at one point a commanding lead, if not bordering on a blowout before things kind of settled down to this final score that you see here. Uh, I think if you're a Steeler fan, you're stunned. Maybe not because of, you know, considering who you didn't have on defense. But if you're a Bengals fan, you got to be riding high, man. This Mm. is a team that won the division last year. This is a statement win for your young Bengals.
2: I mean, it will never get old beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh if you're a Bengals fan or a Browns fan or a Ravens fan. That's just how this division goes, and... Teams are going to be lining up to kick the Steelers when you're down. I I know I didn't watch this game closely, but sometimes I think the box score can tell you a story. And the story here is that Najee Harris got more targets as a running back than any running back in history. I think in, again in the Next Gen Stats era, and that's like that tells you about their offense because the the Steelers had 35 more plays than the Bengals, which is usually a good thing, you know, and many more yards. But the Bengals were able to hit some big plays. Whereas Nick, the the Steelers are going on like seven, eight minute long field goal drives when they're behind. And so to me that it, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I have a feeling that is the box score kind of telling you the story of the difference between these teams.
3: Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, the Steelers only scoring drive that produced a touchdown the entire afternoon, eight minutes and 32 seconds, 15 plays to cover 96 yards. Get this Greg. They went no huddle on a few of those plays Man, in that drive. So and it hard. still took that long. <laughs> That's
2: and, the, and they have <laughs> explosive players. It I mean, yes. I, I want to point out by the way, it's not just Watt out. It's Watt. It's it who's probably their next best player, and Alu Alu and Highsmith. That is four of your top six, you know, frontline players. So it, it on defense, that that helps explain it.
1: It is the with the Steelers offense and it's it's you know, you don't want to make it two on the nose and connecting the things, but it felt that way last year with them down the stretch where the field felt like it was 120 yards and they mm-hmm. were going uphill both ways. And here we are again, Juju Smith Schuster went out with an injury in this game. That doesn't make things any easier for big Ben, but it, it just seems like to me that the Steelers are a, a full step and maybe two below the actual contenders in this league and B their only chance to have a successful season. i.e. playoffs is if the defense dominates cause the offense, I don't just, I don't think they're going to flip a switch. I think this is might be who they are as a team and it. That's not a very optimistic viewpoint, but I, I feel like we are starting to get a handle on this team a little bit.
3: Yeah. And it's becoming a recurring theme. It starts with the offensive line. The fact that they've got a bunch of new guys up there and they're still just not playing effectively enough Woo. to really help that offense move. Now, Really, it shows up in the run game more than anything when you try to hand the ball to Najee Harris and he consistently has nowhere to run or very little space to run. And then it comes down to the Steelers trying to force feed him the ball through the air because they want to get him involved and they want to get the return on their first round pick. While also we all realize that they didn't spend that pick on a quality lineman that they might have been able to use at this point now instead of, you know, finding a replacement level or better running back instead of spending a first round pick on Najee Harris. I mean, it's just they're stuck in the mud. They're they're trying to do too many things. None of it's working because they can't really protect all that well. And they I mean, the Bengals defense surprisingly got after a little bit today. They've been good
2: all three weeks and uh, they've they've got a home TNF game. You know, it's big time when Colleen Wolf is heading to your town and it's against (laughs) the Jaguars. You can get the three and one here, Cincinnati. Have a little bit of a moment, and then you're you got the Packers next. Okay, that's tough. But then you got the Lions. Like they got a chance here to have like a nice little four
1: and two type of star. All right, let's be, do this, Cincinnati. Be on the fringes of the playoff race by Thanksgiving. I mean, any Cincinnati fan would uh, sign up for that. So that they have that in front of them to get set up well. And I think just in general, if you're a Bengals fan, a lot of optimism after Week One. And then everything felt like in week two that it might have been going down the path of what's been too familiar um, over the last few years. And now you get this win and all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe we're making progress here. Maybe maybe Zach Taylor's getting through to these guys. Maybe there's something cooking here. So we'll see if Cincinnati could build on this. And the Steelers are a team to keep an eye on here because, you know, we talked about it all through the off season that they felt like they had the biggest disparity potentially between ceiling and floor. And right now it is not trending well, despite the fact that they went on the road mm. in week one, beat the bills, but look where they are now. Shook, look where you are now.
2: Yeah. High ceiling, high floor, high motor. And that the, in the, the top of your head's pretty high too. It's like it, goes to
3: a
1: nice it's very high in our yeah. screen that we're I mean,
3: yeah at. yeah let me lean back a little bit here about that <laughs> the somebody, ceilings are pretty high in here somebody
1: All said right. i saw somebody on twitter a few weeks back that was like "Oh, dan talks about shook's uh head and baldness too much it's it's not nice and i never thought it to be a uh a thing where i was uh being mean or anything but i'm gonna just stay away from the commentary on your head i think you did a nice job with the decisions you made uh, and people shouldn't read into it anything else other than that
3: one of the decisions I made today, shaving my head. Mm. So there you go. I mean, bald is beautiful, and I, and I enjoy being bald, so it's never, <laughs> it's never an insult. Beautiful job, Nikki Shook. And you are a lifesaver for us
1: every Sunday, but especially this one. There goes Shook. Back into the Cleveland night. And up next, uh, the Jets, right after this break.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Double tight end set plus a fullback on first and goal to the one. They hand it off, running left side. Gordon hit and runs through a tackle and prances into the end zone with a Denver touchdown.
1: Well, The highlight is the the Broncos had two one-yard touchdowns, a bunch of field goals, and the Jets didn't score. So, what what am I going to do? That's that's, that's all you can do. Dave Logan with the call KOA. The Broncos continue to feast on the top of the 2021 draft class. One week after shutting down Trevor Lawrence, Denver picked off Zach Wilson twice. in a 26-zip shut out over the jets at mile high the broncos are 3-0 and for the first time since 2015 their opponents this season are combined 0-9 but hey you can only play your schedule the jets provided zero resistance in this one greg and i tweeted about it and sometimes i tweet from my feelings about being a jet fan and i wonder if there could be a pushback but i don't care because i'm just angry about it um Jets fans, we're not looking for any Cinderella playoff run this season. We take it, but that's not what you're looking for. You just want something to look forward to on Sundays. You want to have some whiff of progress. Just the idea that there's maybe some hope. But this organization, it's such a low bar. It's just above the floor, and they can't clear it. It's really just they did not put up any type of fight against the Broncos. And I give the Broncos credit. They executed, they're in their building. They're feeling good about themselves. So you, I don't want to make this a jets conversation, but it's hard not to, because <laughs> the jets are not competing and any team in the league was going to beat the jets. The Broncos are just lucky enough today to have them on the schedule.
2: Yeah. Through three weeks, they've got a pretty strong argument for the worst team in the league, along with the Jaguars. Cause they haven't really been competitive in any of the three games. Um, yeah, they had a moment, I guess, in Carolina late. But, but really, they were, they're, they're pretty outplayed. I'm not surprised with this Broncos defense, but it just shows you, like, that they're down some players. And um, I don't know. I just I think the whole season is about Zach Wilson's development, and he got a, a tough draw. We didn't know how good that Panthers defense is going to be, but it looks pretty good. I think he got a tough draw with these first three games, and you're just hoping uh, for some progress. And if you're Denver, like... Like I said, you're leading the league in point differential right now. Yeah, yes, um, they've they've played bad teams, but stomping bad teams, uh, according to Football Outsiders, is literally the most predictive thing you can do to like to make the Super Bowl. Like that is the most predictive thing of a great team is stomping bad teams. Now uh, I don't think this sure pr- there's
1: data that backs that up, but that's ludicrous to me. But okay, go on. Could
2: be- Basically, the the thinking is when you're playing other great teams, the right. game's probably going to be close. And so a, a sign of a, of a, a great team is, is you don't keep them close against the bad ones. I actually think the Broncos have to be a little discouraged coming out of this game just because they are weirdly one of the most injured teams in the entire NFL. They had three starters lost in this game two on the offensive line they're now down three starters on the offensive lines injuries we'll see how serious they are and then KJ Hamler the receiver had an injury which we'll we'll see how serious that is the, the initial word is maybe it's not as bad as it initially looked and it's going to just be multi week instead of season ending Um, But they, you know, Chubb's on the IR. i just saying that they're down about six, seven starters from three weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. that that you would think is going to start catching up to them now that they face the meat of their schedule. Right.
1: Dalton Reisner, uh, Graham Glasgow, uh, foot and knee injuries, uh, respectively. K.J. Hamler had the knee, which looked really bad in the moment, but hopefully not too serious. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much to take out of this game other than to say that... um, they could handle these teams. How'd my boy Teddy look? I mean, he's, he's doing good. exactly what you'd want out of Teddy. Teddy's he, fine. He's been perfect Teddy. But he's like, again, I I want to see him against better competition. They got the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets. Now they're going to get the Ravens, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Browns. Mm. Okay, now let's see where Teddy is. But if you're asking how he played today, it was well. It wasn't a dynamic performance, but he made some really nice throws. And when you're playing a team as bad as the Jets are right now, you just don't want to do anything to gift wrap the game, pick sixes or anything like that, put the ball on the ground. He didn't do that.
2: He's going to be stuck in games against Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and Mahomes, where it's not going to, where you can't just like, Kick field goals, and so that's going to be the challenge for Teddy. But what a start! I mean, it
1: is. You could argue this was the softest start to a schedule that any team has ever had. <laughs> I mean, record-wise, it is. It's zero nine. But well,
2: you can't take the you can't take dogs. the zero and nine because three of them are against the. Broncos, But yeah, they're 0-6 otherwise, you
1: know. Put it this way. When I do the power rings on Tuesday, I think the Giants will be 29, the Jaguars or the Giants will be 30, the Jags will be 31, and the Jets will be 32. And well, that's who they got 1-2-3 in the schedule. Again, you can only play your schedule. But I want to see how they do against the Ravens next week. That seems like a really good game, a barometer. Let's move on. Don't get mad at me, Broncos. It, last last it is what it is.
0: Spot kick is away. Hey, you can only play is. who's
1: on the schedule. Good.
0: <laughs> and the ball game is over.
1: Speaking of. What do you mean? <laughs> Durham with the call? WZGC. Young Wei Koo kicked a 40 yard field goal as time expired. Matt Ryan threw two touchdowns as the Falcons topped the Giants 17 14 in the always vicious, nasty, claws out, double wounded animal game. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> the Giants had a seven point lead after Saquon Barkley had a TD dive from one yard out and Daniel Jones then followed up with a two point conversion 14-7 got Eli Manning ceremony at halftime it's almost, the Giants specifically set this up let's get a dog team into our building when the weather's nice in September make it a homecoming type game when Eli there. he does his speech and then we roll but guess what the defense could not make the seven point lead stand up. The offense couldn't do anything in the final quarter after that touchdown and a Falcons offense that had struggled mightily in the first two weeks came to life just enough to beat a giants team. That might be very bad. Uh, The fact that they're winless in what feels like a little bit of a softer portion of their schedule uh, as they now get into the teeth of their schedule bodes very poorly for New York. And in general, there have been t- there have been times when New York football has had bad seasons, uh, Jets and Giants together. This one could be as bad as any has ever been. That's where it's trending right now.
2: Well, maybe they were trying to honor the last four years of Eli Manning's career. You know, oh, don't hit out, Greg. <laughs> you know, because there's a whole out. lot of losing then, too. Um, man, that is absolutely
1: Brutal to lose in this way uh, t- to the Falcons. Like Falcons I- stink. By the way, you'll watch this game. Be like, okay, the Falcons won, and they actually their schedule softens up a little bit now, and they have a chance to kind of get things together. But I don't see the Falcons as a good team at all. The, let- the fact that you let this team beat you and you're building is a very bad sign.
2: Well, and you you set up the halftime you know ceremony, and Eli Manning was emotional this week talking about it. Like uh, he was really almost not surprised, but like it meant a lot to him. I've barely seen him talk like that. And to boo own, the owner, John Mara, during that halftime speech, the crowd is booing Mara. I, I just go back to the year. I lived in New York a decade. And the reverence with which the New York football Giants fan base and media and a whole city. It's really a giant city, as you know, like mm-hmm. in the city. Held the Maras was was annoying, frankly. And uh, and at the time, because <laughs> especially I'm a, for you yeah, as yes. a Patriots fan, but yeah. also just like I couldn't imagine, you know, they, they just got amazing coverage. And it, it really shows how far they've fallen the last five or six years or eight years, I guess, um, that he's getting booed. I don't know.
1: That that amazes me. And then I'm sure it's going to be on the back page of the post in the Daily News tomorrow. That I guess there was a uh, a photo captured of a garbage can that um, the owner kicked over after the Giants went down, <laughs> and maybe got kicked over because he got booted halftime. Either way, I mean, listen. If you look at what the Giants had done since they won the Super Bowl, nine and seven, no playoffs one year, nine and seven, seven and nine, six and ten, six and ten. Eleven and five in 2016 under Ben McAdoo. I don't know how that happened, but then they had the boat thing, and then they got wiped out in the playoffs. Three and third. This is since now 2017. Three and thirteen, five and eleven, four and twelve, six and ten, and now zero oh, and three. So the fan base is, as a Jets fan, I see it. Oh, they're spoiled, but you understand because you expect results. It, when you run very well for a long period of time and they just the results are not there and they, they're they very banged up right now. And you have to factor that in because Daniel Jones um, did not have Sterling Shepard who hurt his leg. Oh, that this is game. a killer loss for them. Darius Slayton. He left the game in the first half of the hamstring injury. Mm. We know Evan Ingram and Kenny Galladay are both banged up. Uh, Blake Martinez, who's a very important part of their defense. He got hurt in this game. Um, So they are not at full strength for a roster that doesn't need its core players to be disappearing. If you want one bit of good news for the Giants, I think Saquon is getting closer to being Saquon again. He had lead back type usage in week three. So I think the the restraints are off him. But an Atlanta team that went into this game being outscored 38 to zero in the fourth quarter through week uh, two weeks to let them come back on you on this day. Mm. That's why they're booing.
2: I mean, you got to give Youngway Koo a nice uh, corner table in the kicker club tonight. I know it's all about Tucker, but Koo's coming off that Pro Bowl. He hits the game winner. He's the man. Right. Corderell Patterson, maybe invite him. He seems like he'd be fun at a club. He's he's a leading receiver. They've unlocked CPAT. Someone's actually done it. I don't think this can last the whole season, but someone has finally (laughs) unlocked the offensive weapon, Corderell Patterson.
1: These are different circumstances, but I, I hope it tracks on some level. It's like... You remember on June 25th, 2009, uh, when Michael Jackson died uh, and then Farrah Fawcett also died that day. And nobody talked about Farrah Fawcett, who was an icon in her time because Michael Jackson was that big. Justin Tucker is Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett is young Waku. Does that track at all? Yeah. I mean, he'll take that, you know. R.I.P. People, people had some posters up. of Those people. Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on.
0: Fields waits as the Browns load up. Snap back. He's got it. Here comes Coromoa. Here comes Garrett. They got him again. Miles Garrett, four and a half sacks on the afternoon.
1: Oh, Jim Donovan with the call, WKRK. Miles Garrett, he's here now. You were wondering where he is, where he was. He's here now. The super pass rusher set a franchise record with four and a half sacks as the Browns took down Justin Fields nine times. And a 26-6 win at the Dog Pound. Now, to talk about the game, we welcome in an old friend of the Around the NFL podcast, a legend, the great Kevin Patra. Kev, how are you, first of all?
4: Pretty good. How's it going?
2: Look at you. You're looking great. You're wearing a Dodgers hat. I mean, uh, a yeah, firefighter yeah. sweatshirt. You're, you're a real man there, Patra. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Beards, not that long, but, but you know. beard, the whole thing. Patrick's with his dad, hey. um, Patrick, this was an interesting game to get you back. And we're going to talk about the Lions if you're OK with that a little bit later, Kev. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, embattled coach in an officially in front of Matt Nagy's name, you have to say embattled oh. coach. Matt Nagy was left to try to wrap his head around the ineptitude of his offense after this game. Uh, An offense that managed a single net yard of passing in four quarters. Here's what Nagy had to say after the carnage was through. Um, You know, this is not
0: how we wanted it to go. You almost can't even make it up. It's that bad. Uh, So, but we got to get to the film and we got to make sure that we're hard on ourselves and we understand the whys
1: um, and and, and really just go from there. (laughs) Patrick, you almost cannot make it up, he says.
4: I just don't even understand how you can be such a failure um, coming from where he came from. Patrick's in back Kansas city. And like, what the heck was your game plan? You take, taking Justin Fields, one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league and trying to make him a pocket passer. It like he, did he forget that Andy Dalton was out this week? It didn't make any sense. The game plan. It like as bad of a day as it was for fields. And it, it was a struggle. It was 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times worse for Matt Nagy. He, I mean, I I don't know how he survives another game like that. The only thing is by the grace of the ownership who doesn't seem to want to make any changes. But it it was just piss poor, if I can say that, from from a managerial standpoint of how you ran this game, uh, what the GM put in front of your quarterback. The offensive line couldn't block a soul. Miles Garrett, you know, whipped. Jason Peters. Anybody who thought that that was a good matchup was fooling themselves. And how they didn't have extra protection. The, Justin Fields had zero chance in this game. Zero. Zero chance. Hmm. He was pressured on 55% of his snap of his dropbacks. Like literally one out of every two times. And they, every other time, no receivers were open. There wasn't one schemed easy throw out in the flat. You know whatever. Where were the where were the wide receiver screens? Where were? And Maggie will probably lean. Oh, we only had 16 plays in the first quarter. Yeah, because you couldn't do. Di- with it, the ball anyway so <laughs> that's why you only had I it. 15 plays i, I it's just from a coaching perspective this was a disaster <laughs> an absolute uh, patra it is so good to have you back and have the fire here
1: and i was gonna say if you could give me a little bit more perspective on how Nagy failed in your opinion and i it sounds like were there a lot of deep drops for fields as opposed to plays yeah. to try to get the ball out of his hand and get the offense moving right. in a different we're, way
4: I think I counted like one through three quarters. There was, he moved the pocket twice. Like where were the rollouts to to, to generate easy throw? Where were the split the field in half? And he's got to go here. Boom, boom, just quick. No thinking about it. Like you're act, you're asking an offensive line who can't block anybody to block one of the be- best defensive lines in the league. And after the first six sacks, you'd think you'd change something, but no. It was the same thing over and over again. It, it doesn't. It was the biggest ineptitude. And I feel bad that we're harping on the negative side it, when the Browns played out of their minds and the credit should go to them on a certain level, but it, it just, the surprise, I don't think anybody thought that the bears were going to win or most people should not have, but to be embarrassed in this fashion with your rookie quarterback, um, you know, just put out to pasture. Can't basically.
2: Happen. I mean, it, like, the, the number, we should point out some of the numbers. They finished with 47 yards uh they in, aver- the, in the first quarter or no that was the whole game oh. 47 total yards no. uh they finished with one passing yard um, right. passing yard net was one uh they averaged 1.1 1. 1 yards per play which i saw was the second lowest um of this 21st century i'm amazed that 47 yards wasn't like the all-time record the shocking thing to me is that you know fields finishes 6 for 20 that he only runs three times and so as much as all of this It makes sense is on um, Nagy. You have to give the Browns defensive line a lot of credit and you have to at least understand that Justin Fields' instincts are not at the point right now where he can come up with something because he took nine sacks and he only ran three times. Sacks to me are partly a quarterback stat. And so it's a combination of everything, isn't it?
4: Yes, absolutely correct. And of those 47 yards you mentioned, 41, they had net 41 yards in the first half, which obviously isn't good. But then you only got six in the second half. Oh, uh So where, where, were the where were the adjustments? That's what my question is. And to your point about running, he did try to get out. He, he, a couple of those, I think three or four of those sacks were him just not getting back to the line of scrimmage, and then it, therefore it goes for a sack. He was escaping the pocket, and the lineman did a good job of corralling him before he, he slipped the tackle last week to, to – seal the win. He couldn't do that this week. That's how good the Browns were. how did OBJ look?
2: Cause uh, I, you know, I saw something just that he was very efficient. His five catches all like picked up first downs were, were big plays. They ended up with 418 yards. So they, there, they were plus, you know, the in yardage like that 20, 26 one. to six and first downs, like had the running game going, but how did OBJ look? He looked good to me. He looked,
4: I didn't see any like hesitation uh, on his cuts. He went up for a, his best catch was, was an, uh, an OBJ type reception, a ridiculous one out of bounds where he's falling in. If um, Baker had kept it in bounds a little bit more, it would have been a ridiculous, it would be on all the high lights already. Like he Mm. squeezed that ball and it was like, you're like, how did he come down with that? He just couldn't, couldn't drag his toes. But that was, that, that to me was the play like that showed like, okay, he's good. He's back. Like he might not have been in bounds, but I don't care. Like, I think he's still got it.
1: And the total yards margin of minus three seventy one uh, for the Bears was the worst since Week Seven of nineteen seventy six. Uh, so we're talking historic disparity here between two teams.
4: Mm. It, it should have been it should have been worse. I, honestly, if the Bears defensive line didn't get five sacks early and forced two turnover on downs early, when Stefanski went for it on fourth and short and and they got stuffed, the Browns got stuffed. This would have been a complete laugher. It wow. should have been a fifty. It should have been a 50-burger. There's no doubt in my mind. They couldn't – Hunt was unguardable. The Browns, to me, they have, like, the best screen game in the league right now. Uh, The Hunt screens are just – they can't tackle him. He was pinballing off guys. And then the combo with Chubb, they just ground him down. And to make matters worse, Nagy kicking a field goal when you finally got down and the score was still (laughs) a 10-point game. And he kicks a field goal. And you're like, why the hell – you haven't – you got in the red zone once – Luckily, <laughs> luckily, once you got there, and taking a field goal against a team that's will gladly are you take becoming the ball a Bears grind. fan? How you've lived in Chicago now? How long? Osmosis. I, I, <laughs> I, you know what? You know what it is. I am so used to rooting for <laughs> teams that I just you know it just warms my heart.
1: You speak. You speak for a angry fan base, and I know Bears fans. As hard as it is to listen to today's show, are happy that you're here, Patch. So let's get off this game before your head explodes, and head to Jacksonville where another rookie quarterback struggled. Good job, Brownies.
0: Lawrence takes, turns, gives to Hyde. It's a flea flicker, pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass, picked off the side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20, 10, 5 touchdown. Byron Murphy after a horrible mistake by the rookie with a pick six, and the Cardinals are back in front.
1: Oh, Dave Pash with the call. K-T-A-R. A lot of ominous moments in that call leading up to it flea flicker he's in trouble <laughs> he throws it up <laughs> byron murphy intercepted two passes including one he returned for a touchdown following that botched flea flicker cardinals rally to beat the still very bad jaguars 31 19 the redbirds are three and and0 for the first time since 2015 patra arizona was able to uh, overcome a catastrophe on special teams we'll play that in a minute but uh, what are your thoughts on this game
4: um, I think that good teams win on the road when they're not playing well. They find ways to make plays, and that's exactly what the Cardinals did. Um, talking about another coach who could be on the hot seat and took him, probably took himself off of it, Cliff Kingsbury. This looked like one of those like speed bump games, which, as, as, as you mentioned, he decides to kick a six-zero old field goal, gets returned for a touchdown. Jags take a—they're just, just running the ball down their throat This is the best game i would seen from Trevor Lawrence until that pick. Mm. And then it all all comes crashing down on the Jags and the cards find a way to pull it out. And and they just steamrolled their way away from it. It it wasn't even close at the end. You know, they turned a uh, nine-point deficit into a 15-point lead in like no time. It was over. And that's what good teams teams do. It wasn't Kyler Murray's best game. He threw a pick that I don't even know what he saw. The safety, it was like basically just an an arm punt on like second down. It, uh, he he said a couple was all, of those was this good. year to be honest. Actually yeah. he's had
2: one each week, like total groaner, that if like Jameis right. threw it, you'd be, yeah. you'd be like, Oh, yeah. there's Jameis exactly. again. But the good thing is every other play, Kyler Murray looks like, you know, an MVP candidate.
4: <laughs> right. And he, he did and he made plays he didn't make as many plays with his legs, but he's like the when it's fourth and one, he's I don't think there's a team that can stop him. He had a one yard touchdown where nobody was within twenty yards of him, and then he converted a big fourth down to ice the game basically late. Uh, and, and on a day where New Copkins was kind of was quiet, he had three catches. They could, they just couldn't connect, and they had a penalty on that wiped away one big play. I, I mean, I thought AJ Green, who I've been a big critic of, I think he showed what he can be at this stage of his career, possession receiver. And Kyler's clearly not afraid to thread it in the needle. I mean, he had one jump ball, like Kyler underthrew it by probably like six yards, and he just boxed the defender out like he was getting a rebound. So.
2: I mean they had two hundred yard wideouts and neither one was right. Hopkins. AJ Green right. goes five right. for one twelve or Rondale Moore for that matter and Kirk goes seven for one oh four. They've sorta of got the Cliff yes. Kingsbury four wide receiver thing that we were sold right. on two years ago. They've kind of got it. If Green can do just have pop up games like that, and I thought even his touchdown last week showed like a little bit of, of agility. where, like, Okay, right. like now yep. that you're the third most important receiver on this team, like that's okay. You're fine. Bingo.
4: I think and I think they were over-reliant on Hopkins way too much last year. And and I think this is a signs that this offense is growing, which we've been questioning whether Kingsbury can grow this offense. And they're finally starting to show it. And Kyler doesn't have to be wow plays every other play. I think they showed that. Urban, Urban
1: Meyer. Cut, oh, sorry, Patrick. Urban, no, 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 Urban Meyer said um, of the flea flicker that changed that game, it's going to be a hard one to get out of my mind. I would imagine Cliff Kingsbury, even though, Um, They had a victory uh, in this game. It's going to be hard to get out of his mind a play that happened at the end of the first half. Let's listen to that. You know, Gus was bummed when he saw his assignment that he got the Jaguars and he was going down to Duval for the week. But he made a count on that uh, a field goal lineup. Oh, a bomb was- field goal was at 60 plus yards, 109 yards
4: the other way. Almost swung that game, but Cardinals were able to correct. It, it, was, it was one of those que- uh, question questionable calls that Kingsbury has at least once or twice a game that you're like, what are you doing, dude? What is your game management? I mean, Jamal Agnew has been one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic returner for the last like two. already or three has a years. return touchdown this year before that. I think yeah, that's two like, for him. He's I like half their offense. Pop- I don't I don't understand what 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 the play there was. Whatever. <laughs> so, they ended up not burning But that was the turning point you thought, holy crap. And then uh Trevor Lawrence had a great uh touchdown throw, perfect, perfect pass on probably what I figured was his third read, uh to mm. get the get them up in the second half. And it was kind of like, okay, this could be a dangerous game for Arizona because they came out flat. The defense wasn't really getting pressure, which I was kind of surprised about uh, until late. And that pick six really changed the entire complexion of the game.
2: Cliff's funny. Cliff Kingsbury is funny because he's the type of coach they asked him after the game. Do you regret it? He's like, nope. I don't regret it. I wouldn't change a thing. You wouldn't change a thing. What are you talking about? Your kicker didn't reach and you gave up the touchdown. Like, how do you say that uh, you wouldn't change a thing? It's like, it'd be like the Fox executive saying like, Oh, I wouldn't change a thing. I would have just kept Gus Johnson on some BS, like big 12 (laughs) game for eight years. Instead of having him on the NFL. What were we doing there for those eight, 10 years without Gus
1: Johnson? That's a certain, come on. That's a certain personality tick in a certain type of personality where you never admit that you did anything wrong right. you're fully confident in everything you do you're supposed that's projecting strength uh but sometimes you just want to slap them and be like you know that was wrong you should have just owned up to it but that's what it is projecting. hey <laughs> the longest kick in nfl history involving uh patra's favorite team right after this
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp a 66-yard field goal try for Justin Tucker. It will be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good. A crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good. Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn, and it's mayhem on the field.
1: Terry Sandusky, great call. WBAL. It's midnight on New Year's Eve in 1999 at the Kicker Club tonight. That's the type of party we're talking about. After it's not there. Where Justin Tucker set an NFL record with a 66 yard field goal, bouncing it through off the crossbar as time expired. 1917 Ravens over Lions at Ford Field. I mean, the place is going off patra i don't know how closely you watch this game of course you're famously alliance fan i you're didn't also, watch but, one second yeah you're a very busy man obviously on sunday so don't really need you to give analysis on a game you didn't watch but i just maybe um as a Lions fan trying to give us some framing some contact context on what's the latest kind of stomach punch in an absurd way in the history's long and tortured history
4: perfect loss perfect loss couldn't <laughs> Couldn't have framed it any better. You get you get a scrappy kneecappers just fighting to the bitter end against the AFC AFC power, and you know they keep that perfect streak alive to have as high of a draft pick as possible. I couldn't okay. not have seen any better.
1: So you got that what? you got that big Go picture look.
4: I mean, you yeah you you weren't in the crowd
2: though. People were heartbroken. The the. Oh, I, I know. I the understand. the I, crowd shots. I mean, Patrick, poor Patrick, he's tried to like divorce himself emotionally. He's not even covering Lions right. games on Sundays no. now. And then we drag him in uh, to talk about <laughs> this one. Yeah, he's Jay- helping us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're helping. Yeah. Joy, and we're just like burying you. I mean, it, it's amazing. They were in that po- in this position, though, like Khalif Raymond is their leading receiver. And in they're in almost beating the Ravens. It, I know Marquise Brown dropped a couple touchdowns in this game, and maybe the score would be different. But it's pretty wild that Lamar Jackson had a 4th and 19 from the Ravens' 16-yard line uh, with 26 seconds to go. I'd love to see the win probability at that point, And they win the game. And they had no timeouts at the
1: at the time. Well, and, and it should be said – because Dan Campbell wants you to know and Lions fans like you were just pumping up Lions fans the other day, Greg, they're getting beat 35-17 by the Packers and they're cheering wildly for a random play. They're dying because after they pick up that first down on fourth and forever, the Ravens decide to one, run one more play where they sail the ball out of bounds on an incompletion before bringing out Tucker for 66, but they didn't get the playoff. And the officials missed it. It should have been a five yard infraction and made a 66 yarder, a 71 yarder. And then it becomes a Hail Mary, most likely, um, and most likely a Lions win. I mean, just that type of game. And if you're the Ravens, you're like, man, we got lucky here because we. Did not play well in this game. We almost went to Detroit and lost uh, a Lions team. That's probably going to win, win two or three games all season. So Justin Tucker bails out the Ravens. It's something he's been doing for a decade now. He's the best kicker ever, ever. And I don't want to hear anything else. You could tell me Adam Finitieri is uh, is the greatest because of what he did in the playoffs. If Justin Tucker got that level of um, chances in the postseason, he would be universally seen as the best. He's just, he's a weapon at a level that no one's ever seen in the sport.
2: That play at at the the fourth and 19 and then him hitting that kick. I mean, this really was like the moment of, uh, of his career. We said it like when him coming out to break the record on a game winner, it should be pointed out by the way, uh, the Ravens had four players, all starters. Well, maybe Jalen Ferguson isn't a starter, but three starters and Jalen Ferguson all go on the COVID list Friday morning. They had something like fifteen guys on IR last week, so it's
4: yeah. they they were Jack they are
2: they are yeah they are scrambling a little bit, and that helps put into context uh, what happened here. But it's still surprising when you had a thirteen nothing lead that you left it up to Tucker. But maybe it's more perfect that way. I mean, it's the perfect Lions loss. It's the
1: perfect Justin Tucker moment. Yeah.
2: Perfect Lamar Jackson ending, too, for a second straight week. He comes up with some
1: heroics. And he breaks the Matt Prater record, set the 64-yarder in week 14 of 2013. That was done in the elevation, high altitude of mm. Denver. So this was obviously in perfect conditions as a dome at Ford Field. But, t- I mean, it is the the real deal kick by Justin Tucker. And really, I mean, just save the Ravens from what would have been a really bad, bad, bad loss. I like your theory, though, Patrick, that... Lions fans it's okay to be hurt especially okay. if you're in that building you just want a W but when you're For picking sure. first overall because of this uh in April you'll probably actually say oh that was good that's a good that's a healthy way yeah. to look at it
4: yeah, I I think you know you still you want to get one. You don't want to be zero and seventeen. The first you're already the first team to go zero and sixteen. You want to be the first team ever to go zero and seventeen, and I don't <laughs> I think they will. I think you take up positive like okay, they play they 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 battled and they have all season, and I think that's what you're looking for. That young players are playing better. You and just hope you they do. don't
2: get the number one overall pick in like uh, a draft without uh, a great quarterback. Eric well,
4: who knows? Eric Fisher
2: yeah, like an Eric Fisher type of draft. There's, there's not like a quarterback right now yeah. that everyone agrees on,
1: but it, it's very early and, and who knows. Per next-gen stats, Tucker had a field goal probability of 10.4% there. Another Justin Tucker stat, 16 wow. of 16 on field goals in the final minute of regulation. The most makes without a miss in the final minute of regulation since at least 1983, when they started tracking this stuff. Everybody sucked at kicking before 1983, yeah. so this is the best ever, and he's never missed in the final minute of regulation. Wow! I mean, it, it's 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 yeah. freaky stuff. First ballot Hall of Fame stuff. Patrick, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you an option here because I when there are these type of things that happen on a Sunday, I like to hear the other side of it, the other radio okay. call. But I don't need to subject you to that if you don't no, want no, to hear it. You do want to hear it. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. And I just want to thank He likes the back.
2: pain. He likes the pain. It's like him doing workouts, too. It's like he, he oh, likes Oh, yeah. It. Likes That's the Dan burn. Miller,
0: right? That's my guy.
1: That's the burn. All right. Dan Miller's call of Justin Tucker's mastery of the kicking game.
0: This will, in fact, be a 66-yard attempt for Justin Tucker. This game hangs in the balance with the longest kick in the history of the National Football League on the line. Tucker's ready. There's the snap, spot down, kick on the way. It is up and it is off the crossbar and through. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Justin Tucker from 66 hit the crossbar and it bounced through. And the Ravens are celebrating on the field. The longest field goal in the history of the NFL has just beaten the Detroit Lions.
1: Oh my goodness! All right, Patra, thank you, buddy. You're—I mean—you're a warrior, <laughs> a and we really—it's uh, great to hear from you. And uh, thanks for helping us out, shorthanded and yep. not me not being able to talk today.
2: Good to see your face, Kevin Patrick. Appreciate it, guys. See you, buddy. I mean, Patra's has been a lot around a long time here. When you know he was here before I got here, he was like a the utility man. He was doing stuff on the production side and mm-hmm. then switched over to writing. Like he, he's a lifer.
1: He's, he's a grinder. He is. Um, he doesn't suffer fools either. He doesn't I, want to deal with. I your think BS. he broke.
2: I, he's definitely leading the league in. Um, you know expletive of beeps per minute on this show. I, I think it. he's squeezed in 3 in a solid 20 minute. I mean it's like
1: yeah, he's taking his shots. It's it. good commentary, good football commentary and it's salt of the earth commentary too with Kevin Patra. All right, which takes us to Sunday night football.
0: Oh, Sunday night. Crosby to try to win it.
2: And the kick is good to win the game. <laughs> The 49ers couldn't take enough
1: time off the clock at the end. All Aaron needed was
0: 37 seconds.
1: It's a beautiful sport, isn't it? The, the, they call soccer the beautiful game. Mm. But when, when football is at its best, as it was on Sunday night between the Packers and Niners, it could feel like you're watching a movie. And that's what it was like. The Niners... Down six points with a couple minutes to go. Jimmy G leads him down the field. Robbie Gould hits the point after. They're up a point. But Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. And he hits two big strikes to his guy, Devontae. Setting up a 51-yard Mason Crosby field goal attempt. Bang. Straight through the uprights. Packers 30. Niners 28. And after the game, Michelle Tafoya. Talk to Aaron Rodgers, who was also feeling the beauty of the sport.
0: You know, Matt, Matt actually suggested that play on the sideline, uh, that first play, which was something we actually worked on Friday practice, kind of scribbling in the dirt, and it worked out perfect. Uh, just put it right over Fred's head, got us kind of down there a little bit. We need one more play.
2: Um, how could he not be romantic about football, man? <laughs> I know you believe that, Greg. I do, especially in a a night like this, a moment like that for Rodgers where you're watching one of the greatest ever at the very height of his powers. You know, the numbers in the box score are 261 and 2, and you think, "Oh, that that's a solid game for Rodgers." This is one of the best games I've seen Rodgers play. I mean, there's a million of them. Easy there, easy. But he was he was almost a career. Per- he was almost perfect from the first throw was a gem to Lazard for 42. The touchdown to Valdez scantling uh, was beautiful. He had an he had an earlier throw to Devonte Adams in the game where it's just like there's no room there. And then the rest of the game, they're doing all this quick game because that was the game plan, and that's working beautifully. Probably the only thing he did wrong, and Lafleur can be part of this too, was blow all those timeouts early in the half. Mm. But you know what it did? It just made it more. Uh, exciting Mm -hmm. that they made the degree of difficulty even greater when he gets the ball 37 seconds left no timeouts and they run those two plays and that first throw to Adams is such a tough throw it's such a great call against like a cover two uh, in a two-minute situation where they're trying to cover everything and you just can't cover that throw and he makes it absolutely perfect. And he sets up Crosby who might not be in the corner, you know, Tucker's getting all the attention,
1: but right. Crosby Crosby's hanging out in the kicker club. Again, too. it's, it's the Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson thing, because Crosby <laughs> should be celebrated. Instead. He's getting fauceted. He's has the faucet getting turned on him, uh, but he has been nails for them. And, and Aaron Rodgers said after the game, in addition to the comments, you heard that, you know, he sits next to Mason Crosby on every plane flight. They, they love each other. He respects him so much, and that was such a, that, that was such a gutsy kick. Kickers are so much better now than they used to be. That when a guy drills a fifty-one yarder, you know, twenty-five years ago that would have been unheard of. But now it's just like, oh yeah, he, he drilled him from fifty-one. I you could you could make a case, Greg, that Roger's brilliant, but how does Devontae Adams, of all people, get wide open twice? He was not wide open. A, right, that's that's where still, I would argue. That first still, throw, the
2: degree of difficulty on that, how deep Adams got, how deep back Warner was as like the the linebacker but trying to cover that. But you know where the is
1: going. It's going but to Devontae. But he had
2: to throw that so hard. And yet over the zone, like that is such a incredibly high degree of difficulty throw. So I'm not saying he's open at all. And he has to reset his feet, moving two feet. I, I can't remember if it was to his left or his right right before he threw it because he felt the pass rush going. I'm not buying that at all. I don't know if anyone <laughs> else in the in the league makes that exact
1: throw at that moment. It was perfect. I think, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for maybe the defense wasn't perfect in that spot by the Niners, but sometimes one of the greatest of all time just beats you. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of subplots to come out of this game because the Niners are getting shut out in the first half. It's so hard for them to find the end zone. And when they finally do in the final seconds of the second quarter, it's of course, Trey Lance who does it on a one yard run after a, what had to be a brutally painful sequence for Niners fans that like, why is this so hard to score? And then I'm thinking to myself as the second half is playing, playing out and Jimmy G has that bad fumble that seems to hand the game to the Packers midway through the fourth quarter that, Oh, this is going to be the week where Kyle Shanahan might have to make the change because this offense is just not getting it done. And it makes me think what Jimmy G was able to do. And on that 75 yard drive in about two and a half minutes, It would have been better if it was three minutes, but that's just the way it is with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Jimmy G really saved his own bacon, even if he wasn't able to save the Niners. But this is
2: the Jimmy G experience. This is why they drafted Trey Lance, because these sort of games drive you crazy watching Jimmy G. Just when you think you're out, you get back in. And just when you think you're in, he does (laughs) something that you come back out. But it's still the same Jimmy G, which he is... Uh, frenetic his feet like I you know Tom Brady gets lauded for having very quiet feet. He's very calm in the pocket he's mo- moving only the steps that he needs to and Jimmy G is patting all around he's Always. patting the ball and he's turning around this is the second straight week where he kind of threw the ball backwards because he didn't know where he was. And even on that touchdown drive, I don't want to knock the touchdown drive too much, but Debo Samuel makes an unreal right. play. George Kittle makes a great run after catch. check makes a great play to score Juszczyk the check touchdown. You kind of got to give it up to the teammates too. And I'm going to fall. I don't know if it's Shanahan or Jimmy G when they snap the ball, there's 30 st- you know, there's about 42 seconds left and there's 12 seconds still left on that play clock. They have all three timeouts. The mm-hmm. Packers had left themselves in a vulnerable spot with no timeouts at all. Poor game management. And I tweeted the second that play happened, they snapped that ball with 12 seconds left on the play clock. Time was not a factor at that point, And it's given me fl- it was giving me flashbacks to a uh, little uh, Kyle Shanahan Falcons Super Bowl. How about that? Oh, you got to bring that up. I mean that that was the all-time you're snapping the ball Hit. earlier than you need to but even in
1: that moment you're you're thinking there's no need to be snapping it with 12 extra well, seconds well that's left. fair that's fair and in general tough a tough night for Kyle Shanahan who there's a lot of drama we talked about it in the preview show On Thursday, now between the Packers and the 49ers connected to the potential pursuit or the legitimate pursuit of Aaron Rodgers in the offseason and how that led now to a potential fracture of the relationship between best bros, uh, (laughs) Kyle Shanahan and uh, Matt LaFleur. Of course, icy bros gate got a little more pop and sizzle at midfield at the end of the game because these guys were these bros were icy and they just passed like two ships in the night and then I was watching the post game presser and of course the Niners beat reporter asks about it and uh, Shanahan feigns ignorance on it. it's like oh it's a busy game end of the field goal you know I don't even really know what was happening but we know you know it's icy gate and
2: I love it. <laughs> uh, that was some Mangini Belichick stuff right there. I actually was surprised because earlier in the week we said, "Are we on handshake watch here?" And it ended up, mm-hmm. it ended up, uh, it ended up delivering. I'm I'm not happy the Packers won because I picked the 49ers. And I always root for my picks, but I do think <laughs> this was the deserved result. This was a game if the 49ers won that I felt like they stole. Mm. I I just don't think that they were the better team. I thought the the Packers were able to run the ball. The 49ers were not. Rodgers was clearly the better quarterback. I thought they had the better game plan. Football is just a game of a couple plays here. You know, the Packers had all these pass interferences, too. Uh, A couple calls went against the Packers. And I just felt like they looked like the better team. So even though it was a crazy ending, I think uh, the deserved team
1: got the result. It's funny that you use that word, stole, because... When I was in the NFL Network film uh, theater, humble brag. with MJD tonight, I said the same thing when Crosby came on and hit the field goal to make it twenty-seven twenty-one. Is like the Niners. I know it feels unlikely, but they could steal this game. Mm-hmm. And I would have said it to you, Greg. But even though I sent you multiple texts to come join me in the theater, you didn't. You say never that. came. You You... never came and you left me in there. And when MJD needed to go to the studio to join Chris Rose for the postgame show, it was the old Zeuser sitting alone in a movie theater watching the end of this game. And that hurt. Okay. This was
2: it. this is the most Dan uh, story. I'm the no, just, main just come to the, the, the main character in, in the movie uh, plotline ever. You had your whole setup the whole second half because you wanted to watch Yankees and football. So we weren't in the same place. Then want with- to
1: know what happened with that Yankee Red Sox game while we're here. Well, I assume the Yankees
2: <laughs> won now based on the look <laughs> on your face. So I'm I'm watching, trying to catch up, trying to do things at my desk. Then you send me a, a text with five minutes left after I'm all set up. I've been doing my notes. And you didn't even say come over. You just said, I'm, the, I'm in the film room, FYI. Oh, you want to beg you to come? I'm in the film room, FYI. At that point, it was too late. You
1: know where I was. You could have come to where I was. Uh, let's see. At 8.05, I'm in the film room, FYI. Mention that MJD is with us. MJD burying me about Robert Sala. And then you wrote, sounds fun, slammer. <laughs> and I wrote, it was just the two of us. Now I'm alone in here. Ha ha. That is kinda sad. At what point is, is, is the light go on with Greg? But Or maybe just Greg uh, doesn't want to hang out with me. Maybe that's what it is. You, in, in, in a movie theater in at NFL Network, watching the best Sunday night game.
2: I'm watching the Sunday game night. at my desk the whole second half. You should have come to me. You, you were the one that
1: needed the whole setup. I didn't know where, where you were. I mean, now, I, now I really miss Mark. <laughs> took, anyway, took that. Come despite on. that, uh, it was a great he game. He wouldn't
2: sit with you in the theater last week. Though.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I was the one in there.
2: I w- too. I if you had been, if we had watched the whole second half there, I would have done it. We, that's what I was. That's what I was expecting to do. But you wanted to do a different setup. At that point, I'm not changing my setup with five <laughs> minutes left
1: in the game. We should say we should do a contest, Ricky. Like with a maybe a listener will want to sit with me in the NFL Network. <laughs> oh, like movie giveaway.
3: Studio. Yeah, I bet a lot of people would, Dan.
2: Yeah, that's not happening. This place is locked down pretty tight. (laughs) You can't even get family in here.
1: Um, All right. Good stuff. 3028. And uh, oh, power rank is going to be tough this week. This is a really interesting week in the NFL. Kind of feel like we hit the reset button now as we um, reach October. Um, A little update real quick before we go um, on Andy Reid, the Chiefs head coach who fell ill. At the conclusion of the Kansas City's loss uh, to the Chargers today, this from the, the Chiefs came out about an hour ago. Uh, Reed was evaluated by our medical staff in the locker room, and as a precaution, was transported to the University of Kansas Health System for further evaluation. Coach is doing well, currently resting, and in stable condition. Okay, that's good. Stable condition sounds scary, but that that's a good thing. So get well soon, Coach. Uh, get well. To soon. answer your question, yes. Uh, yes, I would like you to beg, beg me. <laughs> I just, I think sometimes like typical male bonding escapes you. Um, and I don't say that as like a attack mechanism <laughs> against you. I just say, like I was kind of opening the door and then you would come roll in and we'd enjoy the end of the game together.
2: The door was open the whole second. Oh, that it's was, just traditional male this. bonding. You knew where it was. You went to go hang out with MJD.
1: We'll be back on Tuesday. And thank you to everybody for dealing with my stupid voice today. Hopefully, that will be better on Tuesday, um, but uh, get well soon, Mark Sessler. I don't think we'll have him Tuesday, or, and probably not for the this upcoming week, but we're going to make sure Mark gets completely well before he's back get with better, us. Get better, Mark. Um, so get well soon, Mr. Sessler, and thank you to everybody for listening, and let's go. Week three in the books. Oh, we're just getting started. The beautiful game. Heed the call.